0: Back when I was still working in the world of education, there was a lady I worked with in the front office of the school that had covered her body in these beautiful tattoos. And she had some really high quality work. And because of how many she had, it was not something that you could easily miss when you met her or when you came into the school at the front desk to check in and things like that. And as it would happen, Every, you know, week or two when a delivery service would come by to drop off and deliver packages, the delivery man that came in would every single time he came in without fail make a remark about how her tattoos were wrong and how they went against the law of Moses in the Bible and that, you know, she should feel bad about them. And every time I heard this, or if I missed it, she would tell me about it because it hurt her feelings. It frustrated her that she was being, you know, condemned for her personal life choices at her workplace. And first of all, that's that's just rude and, and, and wrong on the social level. But I apologized to her when she told me about it because this man was abusing the scripture to condemn her. And she wasn't even a follower of Jesus. She wasn't a Christian. And so he was holding her to this standard and was condemning her and insulting her, really. And one day when he came by, I I made sure I stayed in the office and heard him do that. And I, I followed him out and I asked him why he felt the need every single time to say something to her in that way. And he said, well, you know, as as a Christian, the Bible says we shouldn't get tattoos, so she's wrong. And and I had a conversation with him about this, but it became very clear that he was pulling those passages out of context. He was failing to read the Bible in light of the Bible, right? And we've talked about this before, about how context is the key that helps us interpret the scripture properly, right? And he was pulling cherry-picked verses. And what I asked him when I I had this conversation, I said, well, man, you've got a shaved head. You know, if you're going to go to Leviticus 19 and say somebody shouldn't get tattoos, that same area of the Law of Moses said we shouldn't trim the sides of our head. He also had a shaved face. He had shaved his beard off. That was also against the law of Moses. His uniform for the company he worked for, I asked him, I said, have you looked at the tag to see what it's made of, the material? Is it made of mixed fabrics? Hey, that also goes against the law of Moses. You see, he was cherry picking the verses he wanted and holding her accountable to one piece and not holding himself accountable to the multiple laws of Moses he was breaking. Why does this matter? Well, first of all, it matters because that woman, you know, that I worked with is precious to God and we want to, 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 you know, help her see God's love and care. And yes, there are standards in the kingdom, but we also need to make sure that we interpret scripture properly so that we don't condemn other people. We want to find the balance of grace and truth. You know, I, we're not going to look at this passage today, but I love when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well, right? that that all of these cultural divisions were happening, but Jesus told her about her lifestyle. He said, hey, you know, you're married or you're living with a man you're not married to, and you've been married five times. You know, so he confronted the issue of adultery in her life, but he also invited her to come to him for living water. And he didn't condemn her, he invited her into a relationship and and where restoration could happen. This is why understanding the scripture is so vital. This is why it's so important for us to read in context. And so as we go through, and continue to go through rather, the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Manifesto of the Kingdom, we're gonna encounter a section today about the Law of Moses and how Jesus' teaching interacted and, and worked within the Old Covenant and so as we've been going through this series this is our second episode let the last time we met we started the sermon on the Mount by making sure we understood the context of where it was in Jesus' life as he started his ministry and in our last episode we learned that jesus brought a kingdom that would overturn the system jesus brought a kingdom that would overturn the system because the system of religious you know regulations that the religious leaders had put on the people was too heavy for them to bear. It was There were too many hoops for them to jump through, too many rules and regulations for them to follow. And many of them had given up on having a relationship with God because they could not meet the standard. And so Jesus brought a new system in what we call now the new covenant. That Jesus' yoke, his teachings as a rabbi. What did he say? He said, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. It wasn't that Jesus you know, was, was, was doing away with this old way of life and, and that it was, you know, it was totally throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Jesus redeemed and restored the law, and that's what we're going to look at today. So if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time in our first episode on this, this Sermon on the Mount teaching that we're looking at. We started with the Beatitudes and we looked at how the Beatitudes build on each other to create a new system of living, right? And then where we would go next, if you're looking at your Bible and saying, wow, the next section starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, is where Jesus taught about salt and light. But we've already discussed this in a previous episode, so we're going to skip these verses. If you want to look at what, you know, we taught on on this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, go back and look at our podcast history and look for the episode called Simply Salty. And that's where we covered these verses. And so today we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, where Jesus taught about the law of Moses. And here's where we need to just remember the context, right? Just like we talked about the 613 laws in the law of Moses. There were so many of them. It was hard to keep track. These are people that, yes, in their you know upbringing, if they had a good Jewish upbringing, they would have been taught the Torah, right? Especially the Pentateuch, right? they understand the law. But the law of Moses was so complicated, and the religious leaders had put all of these extra rules and regulations on top of the law of Moses, it was just so impossible for people to follow. And we talked about this some briefly last time, but just as a quick remembrance, you know, if a person sinned, let's say that they, you know, were for, for you know, defiled by, you know, a, a relative who died and they touched that person's dead body to prepare them for burial right or let's say that they you know were a you know a butcher and they touched a dead animal's body they would have been defiled bodies and these are everyday acts that you would have to do in the course of life that when somebody died you'd have to prepare their body for burial when you butchered an animal you would come into contact with the dead carcass of an animal these would defile you amongst all these other things that could defile you right when a woman went through her menstrual cycle she would become defiled during that process so this was a regular thing jewish people would go through well in order to become Purified again, you would have to go to the temple and offer a purification sacrifice. That means that you would have to leave your town, shut down your business, leave your home, risk the dangers of traveling during that time to go to Jerusalem, go to the temple, and offer that sacrifice, whether it was a grain offering, a drink offering, a, an animal sacrifice offering, whatever met the need of that particular commandment under the law of Moses. And if you think about all the time, that so this would be a regular everyday, probably weekly, if not weekly, monthly occurrence for people. This was just so difficult to wrestle with. So people gave up. And so Jesus comes on the scene and brings the teaching of his yoke of the rabbi, his, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the manifesto of God's kingdom. And we said Jesus brought a kingdom that would overturn the system. So let's pick up in verse 17 and see what Jesus had to say about the law of Moses. He says this in verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then he says this really odd thing in verse 20, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus talking about here? This sounds really confusing. Well, we gotta break this down. Now, we always read the Bible in context and and there are different ways we do this. First, we read in context by not cherry picking verses, right? We don't just pull individual verses out. We've talked about this in the past with verses like Exodus 14, 14, you know, be still, the Lord will fight for us. Well, in the context of, of that passage, Moses says that, and then immediately after that, God fusses at Moses and says, why are you standing here? Get the people moving. <laughs> he said, you, you got to move. You got work to do, right? Jesus, you know, God could not part the Red Sea until Moses got the people moving. So we don't cherry pick that verse. Right? Jeremiah 29:11 is another famously cherry-picked verse. We always read the Bible in context of the passage, but we also read the Bible in context of history. That's why I shared the the, the historical goings on of the people at the time of Jesus. But the third type of context we have to be mindful of is we read the Bible in context with itself, right? That 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 very rarely an entire topic covered from beginning to end in one passage you have to look at the bible as a whole to understand what's going on so i'll give you a a specific example of this in the book of matthew and the book of luke the gospel of matthew the gospel of luke there's the, the famous encounter jesus has with a roman centurion who wants jesus to heal his servant in matthew's gospel it says that the centurion came to jesus but in Loose Gospel, it says the centurion sent a servant to come talk to Jesus because this guy was a Gentile and he didn't want to defile Jesus by coming into his presence. He said, I'm not even, you know, I'm not you, you just say the word from where you are. You don't need to come into my home and defile yourself by being a rabbi coming into the home of a Gentile. So which one is right? Are they at odds with each other? well when we read the bible in light of the bible in the context of the bible and we add the historical context to it we understand that in jewish culture to send a messenger was the same as coming yourself in person to talk to somebody this is why when we recognize that matthew's gospel was written to gentiles or excuse me matthew's gospel was written to jews and luke's was written to gentiles excuse me then we see the disparagement. Luke gives more clarification that a Gentile would need, whereas in Matthew's gospel, to send your messenger was the same as sending you. So they're both accurate in the culture and context they were written in. This is why we read the Bible in light of the Bible as well. So Jesus says something very powerful. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Now, if we stop there, it sounds like Jesus is a liar, because what, is, what do we know in, in, in John 14, what do we see Jesus do? He institutes a new covenant that replaces the Mosaic covenant, right? So the, the, the covenant that Moses had with the, the Israelites did three things. It gave them the land, it gave them unity as a people, and it gave them the sacrificial system to make them pure and clean and right in God's sight. That's what the law of Moses did. But Jesus replaced that law with the new covenant. Now we don't worry about the promised land anymore. Why? Because the church covers the whole world. We don't worry about unity as a a particular race anymore. As we'll see in some of the passages Paul wrote in just a minute, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. We are all part of God's people in the church. We're made right by Jesus' work on the cross. When we receive that, we we no longer have to worry, am I Jewish or am I Gentile? No, there's none of that anymore. So that part was gotten rid of, and the sacrificial system was done away with, mostly because the temple no longer exists. There's no temple to offer sacrifices, but even if there was, and if they were genealogies, which they're not, to prove who could be the priests who offer the sacrifices, what would be the point of the sacrifices on the cross Jesus said it is finished there's no more need the veil of the temple was torn in half there's no longer a separation from God and his people anymore and so when we look at this we recognize that Jesus was not lying because look at the next sentence he says I have come he says no I have come to accomplish their purpose What was the purpose of the law you're not going to get this in the sermon on the mount why because the jews understood the purpose of the law so jesus didn't need to say it but what we need to do is we need to go down to to the rest of the bible and look at this where we see what is the purpose of the law and so if you've got your bible i want you to turn to galatians chapter 3 and if not just follow along with me Right. And, and what he says, you know, in, in you know, the, the situation that's going on, Paul writes about this in multiple places. And we're briefly going to look at Galatians, Ephesians and Romans. Even though these were different church communities, we recognize that they were all dealing with the same problem. How do we balance this new covenant with the Mosaic covenant? Right. But now, how, how what do we say when, when we when we do this? What's what's the point of the law? What's the point of you know the 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 things that the law was meant to do? And so, when we look at this in Galatians, look at what he has to say that these people were fighting with: Do we follow the laws of Moses, or do we throw the baby out with the bathwater? The Gentiles wanted to get rid of it because they never followed it in the first place. And like, why should I subject myself to these 613 plus rules and regulations that you have lived with? And the Jews were like, well, this is the way we've lived our whole lives. Do we need to get rid of this? And so look at what Paul writes in. Galatians chapter 3 says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And, and once we've talked about this before, but when you see the word belief or faith in the New Testament, it's the Greek word pisteo, which means total trust. So another way to look at this, he would say, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you put total trust in the message you heard about Christ. And he goes down and says this, you know, further down. He says you know, that, that those in verse 10, he says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is anyone who does not observe the, the, and obey all the commands that are written in God's law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law, right? And he says, it's very different from that. He says in verse ten, thirteen, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So what's the goal? Right? What's the goal of all of this? Verse 19 answers this question. It says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. So what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the Mosaic law, the Mosaic covenant, was to show people their sins. But it could never cleanse us of those sins completely. Why? Because as soon as you offer a sacrifice and you sinned again, then all of a sudden, man, you're right back where you started. And so what does Paul explain to us then in verse 21? He says, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. He says that in verse 21, if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing, putting total trust in Jesus Christ. So when we read the Bible in context of itself, we recognize that Jesus is actually being true to his promises. Jesus accomplished the purpose of the law. The law shows us our sin. It's like a mirror, but you can't clean yourself with a mirror. You can take a mirror and rub it all over your dirty skin if you you know my, my little girls i remember when they were you know tiny they'd go out in the yard and they would get the water hose out and they'd play in the mud i couldn't take a mirror and clean them with a mirror no i'd need to get soap and a rag and then they could clean them that way you see jesus is his sacrifice on the cross is what truly gives us that freedom And he says this, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. I've got to ask you, has the law law of Moses achieved its purpose? Yes, it has. It shows us our sin. You go back and read all of those laws, especially what Jesus said were the most important ones, Right? love God with all you've got, all your heart, mind, and strength, Right? and love your neighbor like you love yourself. All it takes is me looking at those two greatest commandments to recognize how short i fall because i don't know about you but i haven't done a perfect job of loving my neighbor like i love myself I mean, think about the things that we did for ourselves just today right what did i do for myself i i, I took a shower and cleaned my body i i brushed my teeth i fed myself i clothed myself i provided a roof to put over my head and my family's head Have I done those things for my neighbor? Have I made sure my neighbor is clean? Have I made sure my neighbor is fed? Have I made sure my neighbor has got good clothing? Have I made sure my neighbor has a roof over their head? No, I haven't. So I fall short and I need Christ to to help me with that, to give me a new heart and a new mind. Now, the same thing was brought up in the church in Ephesus and the, the, the church in Rome. And these Christians were struggling with this. And he says this in verse 14, or you go back to 13, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse. He says, But you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have brought been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. And then He says this in verse 15 He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. So Paul is clear when he writes to the Ephesians, the law is done with. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled its purposes. You see, Jesus is not lying here in Matthew, which by the way, when Jesus is saying this, he has not gone to the cross yet. These things still have to happen. But Jesus says until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. You see, the purpose of the law was to show us how dirty we were but it could not cleanse us only the cross could do that and then really briefly looking at Romans chapter 8 we see a similar idea and starting in the very beginning of the chapter he says this so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus period That's probably my favorite verse in all of scripture. Now, if you have an older translation, yours may say there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but do walk according to the spirit. Those were additions. Now it does say this further in the chapter. So it's not a wrong addition, but it's an addition that the scribes at later times added because they thought this verse was too simple. But I want you to understand the gospel is simple. It's not easy but it's simple. God loved us so much that he made a way for us to be reconciled with him again on the cross and we would receive it through faith. It's simple, but it's beautiful. You see, and he says this in verse 2, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In verse 3, he says this, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as the sacrifice for our sins he did this so the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us not in us you, you and I cannot satisfy that but Christ did it for us and we no longer He says who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit so what do we do with all of this we need to recognize that if the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. Now, that's a big truth, but it's also a famous passage of scripture. If the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. We're truly free. So let's go to John and look at that passage, and then we'll get ready to wind things up for the day. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in verse 31, he says, Jesus said this to the people who truly believed in him. I mean, I believe it's total trust, right? It's Deo. Jesus said this to the people who had total trust in him. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now we've talked about this before, but I used to wrestle with this verse because I knew many times where the truth did not set me free. Many times telling the truth got me in trouble. Right. Think about a person who's committed a crime and got away with it. If they come forward and say the truth, I committed that crime, guess what? They're probably going to be arrested and put on trial and punished. That doesn't set them free. That punishes them. That's why we need to read the rest of the passage. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Later on in John chapter 14, during the last supper Jesus had with his disciples, Jesus would tell them the famous passage. He would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus wanted them to know that he was not a truth, he was the truth. And that truth is the truth that sets us free. So if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. And I thank God that that God gave me the opportunities, not because I'm some great teacher, but because I wanted that precious lady I work with to understand that that law of Moses did not condemn her. Jesus fulfilled the satisfaction of the law, and now we can be set free from it. The law is good the law shows us our sin it accomplishes its purpose but it cannot be fulfilled in us only christ could do that so i don't know where you are today but maybe so many times like me you've drifted to one extreme or the other that was the problem with the early church it's the problem with the church of christ in 2022 we drift from one extreme to the other The Jewish people have drifted over to legalism. We must follow all the rules to make God happy with us. And that makes us legalistic. That means that if I see someone who doesn't follow all the law, then guess what? I want to condemn them. That's what that delivery man was doing. He found somebody who wasn't following all of the laws. And so he condemned them, but he missed out on the fact that he wasn't following them either, right? In the, the letter that James wrote to the church, right? One of the things that, that he says in, in, in James chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For a person, the person who keeps all the laws except one, is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So to break one is to break them all. But we would also don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and go to the other extreme of radical freedom you see radical freedom leads towards chaos i remember being a teenager and loving the idea of anarchy right i think most teenagers do they love the idea of anarchy we want to be set free from the rules we want to get rid of all the boundaries and all the barriers and all the regulations we want to live free but if you've ever been somewhere where anarchy was was really what's going on man it's so full of evil and death and destruction that's why there are rules and regulations and societies that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. He means you're set free from being slaves. Jesus opened the door of our prison cell. But today I want to encourage you and I to walk out of an imbalance. We need the law because the law of Moses shows us our sin. But we, it's a mirror. It cannot clean us. But we also don't want to live in radical, rebellious freedom where we throw the baby out with the bathwater and then think we're just free. The Romans did this, right? They said, oh, we'll sin more so God can forgive us more. And Paul had to get onto them for that, too, in the book of Romans. So what do we do with this? Man, find the balance. If the sun sets you free, you're truly free. Not free to live out your own desires and to, and to give into your sin nature. All those passages we talked about said, no, we don't do that. We live by the spirit. We bring it into balance. Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses and accomplished it. And now we receive the benefits of the cross. And so if you've been in an extreme, bring it back to balance. Recognize the prison door of our cell to slavery to sin is open. And Jesus is calling you and I to walk out of it today. Because if the son sets you free. You can be truly free. Be blessed.